You are listening to Move with Radiance with Stephanie Dankelson, a podcast all about redefining your relationship to exercise, food, and your body by learning how to first redefine the relationship with yourself. Are you ready to discover your inner truth, your inner radiance? Because we all deserve to feel at home in our bodies. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Move With Radiance. And if you haven't noticed, I have released two episodes today. (laughs) One is a bonus solo episode, which is a continuation of last week's solo episode where I break down a workbook I created into two-part episodes. (laughs) And I recommend if you haven't listened to last week's to do that first before you listen to this week's bonus episode, because if you don't, it will not make a lot of sense. (laughs) Um, And I have a link to a free workbook that you can download and do with it. And I recommend you do that just because it just helps to write it all out and get everything on paper. That way we can really get to the root of where the guilt around food comes from. So let me know what you think of that. Today's episode is one that I am really excited about. Um, My guest, Maddie Moon, is someone I've been following for a really long time. I actually, when I was living in Boulder, met her randomly (laughs) out on Halloween one night as she was sort of starting her journey and, or I guess sort of in the middle of her journey and I was just starting to figure out what I wanted to do. And so I feel like she sort of inspired me to really go for, you know, this work and dive in and So it's pretty cool to have it all come full circle and be able to interview her on my podcast. She actually put out an episode. I'm I'm looking at the calendar now, so it must have been a little over a year ago, a little less than a year ago. (laughs) Back in April (laughs) last year, she released a solo episode on sexual shame and sort of digging into unpacking that as women. And I so, so, so resonated with it and thought we need to be having more conversations like this. And I really wanted to get her on the podcast to talk about that. And it's, I mean, it's just two women having an honest conversation about the shifts that we see um, happening right now in just this world of being a woman and how we can support each other as sisters and you know, just unpacking that sexual shame, unpacking the masculine and feminine energies and how we as women tend to live so much in this masculine energy in today's world of that hustle and go, 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 go mentality and how we can start really stepping into the feminine side and really embracing the softness of life and the softness of, you know, ourselves and and just stepping into that energy and what that means. And Um, I haven't really talked about masculine and and feminine energy yet on the podcast. And so Maddie is sort of a specialist in that. That's really what her work is around is, is the masculine and feminine energies. And so I thought this would be a perfect opportunity to, to talk about that as well. So I'm really excited to share this episode with you. I'm just going to dive right on in because it's, it's good. And Maddie is so lovely. I really highly recommend you check out her work. Um, she's just a beautiful soul and has really, really good information and has her own podcast and all that kind of stuff. So go check her out. And, um, before we, we dive into the content, let me tell you a little bit more about Maddie. Maddie Moon is an author, podcast host, retreat leader, and transformational life coach. She is a guiding force for masculine-minded women who want to stop overthinking their lives away and live with more trust, intuition, and feminine flow. Driven by perfectionism for years, Maddie found herself always trying to do more, be more, and accomplish more, a dangerous cycle that only led to more distance between her and her dreams, self-love, and intuition. Through meditation, embodiment, and the art of slowing down, she healed her heart, embraced her unique feminine essence, and learned to love her tender body. She teaches others across the world to do the same through her podcast, Mind Body Musings, website, maddiemoon.com, and ongoing retreats. Her work and story has been featured in the Huffington Post, Teen Vogue, Thought Catalog, Nylon Magazine, The Daily Mail, Vice, Greatest, Men's Health, People, and ABC News Nightline. I so hope you enjoy this episode, and here is Maddie. 
Before we dive into today's content, I just want you to know that I hear you. I know you're tired. Tired of the battle, the guilt with food, of the constant hustle, of the people-pleasing, the comparison, of needing to prove yourself. You're tired of always second-guessing your decisions in life, of feeling like a fraud, pretending like everything is awesome. You're tired of the emptiness. I hear you, I see you, and I promise there's another way. If you are ready to stop biting and hating your body, to overhaul your relationship to food and exercise, if you are ready to finally feel at home in your body, to finally live out the life you want to be living, I've got you. I now have spots open for one-to-one coaching, a six-month program that will help you navigate the negative self-talk, the self-destructing habits like binging and restricting, the back-on-track, off-track mentality. I will help you discover movement you no longer feel forced by, how to heal your relationship to food, and ultimately how to accept and finally feel at home in your body. With one-to-one coaching, you will get six months of coaching, 24 sessions total, video calls, and unlimited email support, two additional 30-minute sessions to be scheduled when you are looking for any extra support, weekly homework activities ranging from journal prompts, meditations, and real-life integration and practice of the work. If you are ready to finally stop fighting yourself, heal your relationship to food, and ultimately feel at home in your body, I am ready to work with you. You can begin this process by filling out the application in the show notes or on my website, www.stephanie-dankelson.com services. I'm so excited to begin this journey with you and we will see you soon. Hi, Maddie. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I'm honored that we are able to have this conversation today. And I've been following your journey for a few years now, and I'm just really excited to to finally chat. So thank you. Yeah, of course. (laughs) This is great. I love having conversations around feminine, the masculine, whatever direction we go into. It's going to be awesome. Perfect. Well, I love for all my guests to start off with just telling us a little bit about you and Uh, the work that you do, and we'll just sort of take it from there. Yeah. So um, I am a podcaster. I am a speaker. I'm a retreat leader. Um, my my podcast is called Mind Body Musings. And my main direction these days is teaching masculine-minded, perfectionistic women how to step into their feminine flow, which I think is a very hot topic right now as more and more women are stepping up into places of power and speaking their truth and learning that the way we have been raised and the culture that we're in with this hustle and this go, 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 it's not really working for many of us anymore. And so there needs to be a shift, not just a shift in the literal things we're doing of how we run businesses or how we just go to work, but also energetic shifts on how we see our bodies, how we see our gifts, our intuition, our emotions. And so my main purpose and and my, my direction these days is helping women how to reclaim their intuition, reclaim their emotions and reclaim um, both the curves of life, like those curveballs we receive, but also the curves of our body and and learning how to allow our bodies to take shape and be soft in this world that tells us to be hard. Mm, I love that. So I think we're going to touch on a lot of those things today, just in this conversation. And a while back, you released a solo episode on your podcast that had to do a lot with your thoughts around sexual shame. And it really resonated with me. A lot of points that you touched on really resonated with me. And I feel like the topic of sexual shame and just creating awareness around it, I think we just need to be having more conversations like this. And so I wanted to talk about that a little bit. And because this is such a a big topic, I'm going to start off with kind of a, a hard hitting question, I guess, just so we can dive right in. But in your opinion, why do you think a lot of women feel shame around their sexuality today? Oh my goodness. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Good question. Um, wow. There's so many different angles to take with this. The first thing that I'll say is I feel there are two extremes that most of us have been exposed to since childhood, since our parents were children, since their parents were children. And that is the either uh, repression of sexuality or the exploitation. So there's really 
not much in between unless you were raised by an incredibly conscious community, conscious family who made sure sexuality was something that was openly discussed and nurtured and um, respected and promoted in a positive light. But if you were not raised in that kind of environment, especially if you were raised... um, around either abuse or even this is not abusive but on the other end maybe religion so there are multiple different pathways that we can end up in this same um issue with our sexuality or even not even being raised in religious household or raised with abuse but just being raised in this culture where women are slut shamed or they're called prudes there's always one side or the opposite side either you are comfortable in your body and then in you you feel um open with your sexuality and then starting even as young as adolescence you are labeled a slut or or words like that and you are shamed in school or there is the repression of it right so there's just the conversations in religion especially that's that's more of the background i was raised in mm-hmm. um where I was not taught so much about, I wasn't taught almost anything about sex, but I was taught about virginity, purity, um, saving yourself, which I am not saying any of that is bad or any of that is wrong, especially if it's fueled in a desire to have a really intense, beautiful connection with your person. I think that's beautiful. I think it's beautiful if it's fueled through love. But what happens in a lot of religions is it's fueled through fear, using messages saying that you lose your value, it's your most precious gift, you lose your purity, in a way making you think that you are then tainted once you express your sexuality or you combine energy with another person. All of a sudden, you are less than and you lose something. So I'm just kind of sprinkling out the multiple different ways that we create sexual shame through adolescence and for some of us childhood. There are many different reasons. As I mentioned, abuse. People who were sexually abused as children, of course, create really unhealthy, fear-driven relationships with their sex, something that they need to hide, something that makes them unsafe. And so they create Um, beliefs and coping mechanisms around their sex to make sure that they feel safe. And and one of those ways is by turning it off, turning off our desires. But one of the biggest issues is that when we turn off our, our desires sexually, like that is one of our strongest places of personal power is our sex it's connected to the divine because the divine is the 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 greatest creator and we are made as the divine and so we have methods of creating and sexuality is one of our biggest personal powerhouses because that is the the chakra of creation so to say it's where a lot of our inspiration comes from um so when you turn off desire and pleasure in one area it's like a domino effect and then ripples out to all these other areas so a lot of times people who struggle with reclaiming their sexuality reclaiming their bodies um especially for women it also stifles creativity it stifles individuality it stifles all these different areas like I said, a domino effect. So when we can start to reclaim our own sexuality, our our embodiment, getting back inside of our bodies, especially our femininity, getting back inside of our feminine, the divine feminine, we begin to create more powerfully. We begin to speak our truth more powerfully. We begin to stand up for bigger, greater causes. It's also connected. And I know I'm just like, I could go on and on and on. Um, so that's that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. I feel like, yeah, there's lots of different things in there, especially I, I talk a lot about learning how to speak your truth. And I think as women, we've lost how to do that, especially in this world of like people pleasing and feeling the need to meet all these expectations. We've, we lose how to speak our truth. And I think that does show up a lot of times in expressing our sexuality or in learning how to say yes versus no and all those kinds of things. And so what does yes feel like in your body versus a no, you know, and like, how can we start to differentiate between what it is that we actually want and what it is that we think we want based on other people's expectations? That's a big question. Yeah. (laughs) The first place that I would start 
because it gives the visual. And I think it's very helpful for people when they're starting out finding their yeses and nos because it is incredibly challenging. It sounds simple, but it's not mm-hmm. um, to find your yes and your, and your no. And I think one of the first ways for people to begin to visualize this to help them figure out what their yes and their no is, is when you think of a possibility, an idea, a direction, whatever it may be, do you feel a sensation of expansion or do you feel a sensation of contraction? So expansion, when you think about being expansive, it's wide, it's far-reaching, it's reverberating outwards, it's um, like this openness. When I think of expansion, I think of heart opening, arms wide, um, feeling larger, And when you feel larger, generally, when you feel expansive, that is a clear yes. Like, yes, this is what I want. This sounds good. I'm open to this. Literally, it's like your your energetic field is saying, I'm open. I want this. It's like, yes, it's exciting. And that's what a yes feels like. And there's this woman, her name is London, um, London Angel Winters, and she talks about feeling the expansion and the openness in the cervix. So for women, we feel in our cervix our yes and our no. I don't know if you've ever been on a date with someone, you've ever been out and say it's the first date, maybe the second date, and you're in conversation and you can just feel this place in your womb that's clamping shut. Or it feels open and it feels relaxed and it feels nurtured one or the other. And it it takes time. It takes time. It takes like actively going into your cervix. But if you think about a memory of, of being on a date with someone where you felt a clear no, one of the locations of that, though you may think it's just up here in your brain, the location of that primarily is the cervix. The cervix speaks to us. And so you can feel not a physical pain of a contraction of a no, but a gentleness whenever it's a yes. And then you can feel when it's a no, it might not hurt, but it's like a, this, it's a signal from your womb space that says, I'm not open to this. So to start out, I would say, don't, you know, no pressure to go directly into the womb to see what the yes and the no is. That's like the next layer. But just for starting out, just for starting out, do you feel expansive at this idea or do you feel like you're contracting? Contracting is, let's say the physical embodiment of that would be your shoulders round in, you start to hunch, like physically you may be doing those things when you think about an idea. Um, I know that if I'm in a fight with a loved one, my shoulders might round in, my head might want to drop and that's ways that our body feels safe. We feel safe whenever we are contracting in ways because no one can come in. We feel less safe opening, opening our shoulders. And that's why whenever my clients come to me and they're in an argument with their husband or their wife or whoever, Um, one of the first things we start with is our body language of opening. You might want to contract because you say, no, no, I'm not open to love anymore. No, I'm not going to deal with this. So there are certainly times when your body wants to contract and you don't just say, oh, it's a no, I'm going to walk away. That's when you go, oh, it's a no. My body is saying, I want to be safe. I want to close off. But really, I know what my heart's truest desire is, and that is to open to love right now, even when it's the hardest thing to do. But if we're just talking about general instances in life when we want to know what a no is and a yes is, let's say we're on a date and it's not something that we're trying to actively open up love to, like we would in a relationship with someone where it's work, you got to keep doing that. Um, But our bodies are closing because this person really isn't someone we want to open to. Then take note of the body language. Take note of how you're feeling. Do you feel like you're expanding with this person or are you contracting? And if you are contracting, don't fight that. Don't overthink that. Don't second guess. That's your intuition talking to you saying, no, I do not want to be with this person. And one more thing I'd like to add here is that one of the pressures a lot of people put on themselves is to trust themselves. Mm. And if you're someone who has cut off your sexuality all of your life, or you've cut off your self-love all of your life, you've been listening in, living in this masculine-minded world, a hustle world, a world that teaches you to skip over your intuition, to keep going, 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 like just not to slow down. It's going to be challenging in the beginning to learn how to slow down again, to hear your intuition. A lot of people listening to this might be like, I have no idea what the fuck a cervix yes and a cervix no is, and I totally get that, right? So I think... One very crucial piece to keep in mind that we do not need to go directly to self-trust 
because trusting is challenging. In time, you learn through experiences that you can trust yourself. Just like when you're in a relationship with someone, I, I personally don't just give my trust freely. It is earned from the start. It's earned from the start. You know, you, you show up, you, you work on yourself, you prove that you can listen to me, and I start to trust you. And that's the same with my relationship to the self. I don't go directly to trust because that's scary. What I do is test. So I invite people to self-test rather than self-trust right off the bat. So if you are starting to get signals and you're paying attention, you feel like, oh, this feels like what expansion is, but I'm not sure. Instead of saying, I've got to trust myself. This is a yes or a no. This is a, a duality. There's one answer that's right and one that is wrong. None of that exists. Instead, go to self-testing. I'm going to test that maybe this is what expansion feels like. I don't really know, but this could be what expansion feels like because I do feel open. So let's go with a yes here and see what happens, right? And then you, you take the next step and you keep going and you keep trying. You keep dating that person. If it feels like expansion, you might be scared, but you feel like it's a yes for the most part. You eat that food when you're trying to intuitively eat and you don't know for sure if it's the right choice, but you're like, it feels like expansion when I think about chocolate chip muffins. So I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try it out. How do you feel afterwards? And then you kind of look like a scientist would. You take a bird's eye view, you go right up into the sky, you look down at all the moving pieces and you say, this is going on, this is going on. Like, does this feel, can I now use this as a marker for what expansion feels like? And so that's why I love testing, it takes off the pressure of getting it right. Because with intuition, with knowing your yeses and your nos, especially at the beginning, you cannot expect you're just going to get it right, right off the bat. It takes time. Yeah. I love that. I talk about curiosity and, and to take the pressure off of yourself and that we don't like, especially with intuitive eating, we don't have to get into that, but this, this, this whole curiosity piece piece applies to everything in life. And this whole testing piece where you can say, yeah, this works. No, this doesn't feel good. And not coming at it from such a harsh place of like, I got to do this the right way the first time. So I think that that's a really good way to approach it. Um, so I want to dig into a little bit of the difference between masculine and feminine, because that's something I haven't talked about here. And we're talking a lot about openness and expansion and all this kind of stuff. And I feel like that really relates to this whole, um, our sexuality piece and connecting to that, especially as women. So can we first start by talking about the difference between masculine and feminine, and then we can branch from there? Yeah, absolutely. So in the most basic terms of what the masculine and the feminine are, and I'm going to give a lot of different definitions. So if people Perfect. are interested in this, bring out your notebooks, because I'm going to talk about a lot. Um, but the most basic way to know what the masculine and the, and the feminine are in the tantric perspective. The masculine is consciousness. It's consciousness. It's the part of me and you that has never changed. I don't know what book this is. I, f I forget which book, but um, man, I should know what this is. But I, I think it's also in the untethered soul. He talks about this. He talks about when you ask someone who you are, people will give answers like, well, I'm a mother. And then that's that's still not it. You're you're not a mother. That is something you've done. But who are you? Well, I'm 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 a woman who was born in 1961. No, no, no. Who are you? Oh well, I'm I I'm someone who's gotten a, an an English degree and I've worked these different jobs. No, no, no. Who are you? And the answer always is I am. I am. Just consciousness, I am. Not the different things that you've done in your life, but the most pure version of who you are is just I am, as simple as that. That's what the masculine is. It's consciousness. Again, it's like the, it's, it's the container. It's the space, the thing that doesn't have anything added to it or taken away. It's always been there, okay? So I know that's kind of like, what? I'll go deeper into that in a minute. Um, but I want to give that perspective because the feminine is all the other beautiful little things that come in and out of that. It's the energy that comes in to the masculine that gives it liveliness. So the feminine in the tantric perspective in the most basic form is energy. It's the ripples, the waves, the ups, the downs, the chaos. That's really what the feminine is. It's chaos, every single direction, everything that flows. <clears throat> okay. So 
some qualities that make up each one that will help bring this back down to earth for anyone who feels like this is above their head. The masculine. One way that I like to think about the masculine, because it's a very active energy, it's a warrior. It's a warrior energy. It's not hard. It's strong. It's like the sun. When the sun comes out, we go outside, we play, we, we, we set goals, we accomplish those goals. We're self-oriented. The masculine is very self-oriented. It's I am, right? But it's also, I am going to accomplish this. I'm going to go out and do this. I am like a warrior. Like I'm going to go out with my sword and chop down some, some trees. I mean, that's not really what a warrior does, but let's say this warrior does that. Also like the sun, it's a very outward energy, and when you think about, um, not that the masculine is male, but the physical embodiment of the masculine is male. Like it's the physical representation of that energy. Um, keep in mind, we all have both of these inside of us. We all have the masculine. We all have the feminine. There is one energy that's predominant in each person, typically speaking, women have more feminine energy naturally from birth. Culture teaches us how to have more masculine energy and we have to come back home to that energy. But from birth as babies, a lot of girls have more of the feminine and boys have more of that masculine energy. So like I was saying about the sun, one way that people can think about the masculine being this very outward energy is you think about the the, the, the male's genitalia, penises are like coming at you. They're outward, right? Whereas the feminine, which is the moon, which is an inward energy, think about vaginas, go inside, inward, right? It's an inward energy. And that's what the moon is. It's very nurturing. It's very loving. It's very creative. It's very soft. It's like nighttime. Like what happens at night? At night, that's when we, we dream. We go into our emotions. We go inward. We feel. So that's what the feminine is. And like I was saying, the um, physical manifestation, if we were to take the feminine energy and give it a place to live, it would be the female body even though we all have these different energies. And there are certainly people who have more of the masculine energy from birth than a, a, a feminine energy. Um, other, another way for people to think about the feminine energy is like a goddess. I like that and I don't like that. I like that because it gives you an instant feeling when you think of a goddess. It gives you a feeling, right? You can name it. You can think about it. You know what qualities a goddess has. But at the same time, I think that doesn't leave room for all the other things that a goddess is. Like when we think about a goddess, a lot of us might think of someone who stands by the beach wearing this beautiful long white gown and her hair is long and it's flowy. And if you think about her in real life terms, she's probably drinking a green juice and she's just like so sensual. But that's not just what the feminine is. The feminine is also Kali energy. If you think about Kali, Kali is a um, a, a god, a, a deity, a god who is this raging, angry, rah, roaring woman, and that's also what a goddess is. She includes all things. So, like I was saying, the feminine is chaos. It's all the energy in the world. It's the ups and downs, the lefts and rights. So, if you think about water. Water, I love thinking about water as a feminine energy because it's like a river that flows and it can go with the flow and it can surrender and it can be serene and it can find stillness in the chaos. But then at the same time, it can be the same thing that destructs, destroys, breaks down an entire village, a town. It's powerful. Water can swallow you whole just like a feminine energy can. It can be wild and it can be chaotic. So... Bringing this all in, I love thinking about the masculine, the feminine. These words resonate with me. They don't resonate with everyone. So if, if you're like, uh, I still don't like that. It feels very gendered, which it's not. It's not gendered. That's why I just want to make that very clear. But if it feels that way to you, that's totally fine. You can also think about these energies in the terms of alpha and omega. You can think about it. Um, uh, who am I thinking of? Shiva and Shakti. Yeah, I always forget. Um, yeah, Shiva and Shakti. You can think about sun, moon. You can think about yin, yang. So they are equal, but they are opposites because everything does 
I think, live on a, uh, a polarity. And polarity is hot. So we can go into that. But polarity is what creates tension. Opposites create tension. And that's why when we're looking at this in terms of relationship, when there is someone that is, so to say, um, leading and surrendering, it can for given periods of time, not always, but someone is in alpha and someone is in omega, it can create a lot of sexual tension, which is why I bring a lot of this work into my, my, um, my clients in our coaching sessions whenever they want to create more polarity in their relationship because it is hot and does create really fiery tension in a relationship. But it comes in handy in all different aspects of life. Like this feminine and masculine conversation, we can look at this in our business. We can look at this in our sensuality. We can look at this with our relationship with ourselves, how we treat ourselves, when to set goals and when to have more softness, when to go get out of the house, when to rest, when it's on a macro scale, it's a season of rest. Like let's say it's winter and you're not, your body is naturally wanting to hibernate. That's your feminine energy calling you in. It's saying, I want to go inward, literally and emotionally. So this happens on a day-to-day basis, but then this also happens seasonally. When it's springtime, you might have more energy and that's your masculine being like, let's be warriors today. Let's go out. Let's run a mile. Let's kick some podcasting butt. Let's call up our friends. Let's get shit done. Um, so then seasonally, that can be a whole period of wanting to get stuff done. The problem happens that our world tells us basically that it's spring 365 days of a year. And it's not. And that's when our problems happen is when we're trying to have that masculine warrior springtime energy all the time. I have, I have moments of going inward on a daily basis, but I definitely do on a seasonal basis. And then sometimes I do on a yearly basis. Like I might have a whole year of having more feminine energy resting more, being more creative, not being so financially motivated, but be, being more embodiment, sensuality motivated. And, and, and that's why I think this work is so important for people to be waking up to because the more, I think it'll start with, with um, the feminine the, and, and more particular thing, I think it starts with a lot of women, the divine rising women's coming up and saying, hey, we're not going to do this anymore. Our energy is just as important as the masculine. Rest is just as important. Community is just as important as being self-oriented. That's where it's going to start, where we're beginning to change the way our world views rest and views sensuality and embodiment and slowing down. And I think it's been happening over the past couple of years where we've been waking up saying, hustle no more. We need to slow down. And a lot of gifts will come with that. Yeah, I love that. So do you think, so in looking at my own life and and how I've grown up, I tend to, I suppressed a lot of my feminine energy or that piece of me, I suppressed a lot of that. Do you think women living a lot in, I'm genuinely curious about, do you think women living in the masculine has contributed to some sexual shame in some way or like a disconnection with our sexuality if we oh, live so much totally yeah totally so i'll give a little bit of insight on my background in that yeah. way um so i was raised i was raised in a very conservative household and there was a lot of black and white thinking which made me very masculine minded my family loved me that goes without saying they were doing the best they could but with it being very religious and being it very black and white right or wrong reputation was everything being a moon girl meant all these different things um, and that's what we always heard. Like me and my sister was like, you're a moon girl. Like this means blah, 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 blah. So we had to like have the moon girl reputation, which was polite, tidy, um, nice and, and neat. And those are all very, um, it's, that's more of, that's more on the, the feminine, right? It's like, this is what a woman means to be. This is what a m- woman needs to be. It's like sweet and pretty. It's like the toxic femininity. It's not the pure feminine, but like the toxic feminine of being beautiful and quiet. But that led into this energy of needing to be in control all the time. So being, having this idea of what a woman needed to be, which was not this pure softness of the feminine, but more of like how I looked, this led into perfectionism. 
And this led into me thinking that I needed to have everything in control, which led to anxiety, depression, isolation, frustration, and this deep down need to be hard. So me fighting for control so much led me to go more into a toxic masculinity. So I was living out both these energies, like the toxic feminine of being um, quiet but beautiful and the toxic masculine, which was, I need to be hard and rigid and uh, me, 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 and like tough. I got to look tough. So eventually I went into bodybuilding. You know, I had eating disorders. I had an obsession with my weight. I was in bodybuilding, always trying to create a hard body. And because I was so focused on having a body that was rigid, literally with a six pack, and having definition and structure and defined, not in a healthy way, in a very unhealthy way, because physically I wanted to have this hard body. I was trying to create borders, not just healthy boundaries, borders. I didn't want anyone in. I didn't want people to see me. I didn't want to be vulnerable. I didn't want to be soft. I didn't want to be one of the girls. That's the last thing I wanted to be. I wanted to be one of the guys. I wanted to be cool. I wanted to be like seen as, oh, Madeline, it's Valentine's Day and she's working out at the gym. Like that is actually a memory of mine is being Valentine's Day. And I had so much pride that I was at the gym by myself working out, not being one of those weak women that wanted to like be taken out for chocolate and gross. Like that was my mindset. It was so anti-women. And because I was anti-women, hard, anti-anything really that, that wasn't bodybuilding. That was my entire life. Because of this, when I looked down and I saw something that was very, very feminine, I saw my vulva. I'm like, ew, like this is, this is like, a, like shame. So much shame came up when I looked at having a vagina. Like shame came up, embarrassment came up. It was a part of me that I could not change. I could not fix. I could not make amends. And I wanted so desperately to be seen as one of the boys, someone that was hard, someone that was powerful, someone that was in control because in my childhood, I didn't feel like I was in control. I didn't feel powerful. I didn't feel respected, right? Like it, it fed into me as an adult trying to make sure that I went on the total opposite end. I was always in control. I was hard. No one could, could be let in. Emotionally, same way. Physically, same way. Sexually, same way. I took pride in losing my period. And I know a lot of women relate to that. I took pride in losing my period and because I was working out so much. I thought that made me tougher. And so when it came to sexuality, I had no relationship with sexuality. And I was proud of that too because it kept me further away from feeling soft, from feeling feminine. Literally, like I, I, I didn't relate to... I didn't relate to my yoni, to my womb. I wanted all that to go away because the more that went away, the harder I felt. And that's where I wanted to live in the space of hardness, rigidity. So I was disconnected. When I felt like men wanted to give me attention, I was disconnected. I didn't feel in my, I wasn't in my body. I didn't feel in my body. I didn't feel a connection with um, having a period because I didn't for a long period of time. With having a turn on, I wanted to repress that. I wanted to keep away. And, and that's additionally, it's there's the one piece of wanting to be perfect, wanting to be seen in control and vaginas can be messy. And that messiness was a threat to me being all put together, all tough and strong. And that was embarrassing. There was just so much shame that came up with this. Mm. So much. So I'll stop there and see what your thoughts are. No, this is, we're very similar <laughs> in a lot of ways. I was very the perfectionism mindset I had, um, I wanted to be one of the boys. Like there was a lot of shame in being a woman. And I think it came back to that weakness piece. I needed to be tough. And if I was soft, then people would just push me to the side and I would get walked over. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I see that a lot in the women that I interact with on a day-to-day -day basis is there's this, this suppression of the feminine side. And so I'm trying to think of where I want to go now because I have two different thoughts. Maybe we can dig into... I have an idea. Okay. I just want to touch on something you said. Okay. Um, so on the two different sides of what you're just talking about of being either a pushover or needing to be tough and strong, the problem that I see for a lot of women is that yes, on one side there is the pushover, but then when you become tough and strong, you're then labeled as the bitch. Yes. 
And like when men are being assertive, no one's like, oh, our boss is such a bitch. Like talking about a guy. It's only for women. And it's only for women who are assertive. Even if you say something like, if a guy's like, I need the papers by Friday. Okay. Yes, sir. Got it. We'll have them on your desk by Friday. If a woman goes, I need the papers on my desk by Friday. What a bitch. She's like, God, like that was unnecessary, you know? And, and, and because we were raised, so many of us were raised to be sweet and pretty and put together, and not messy. We're terrified, terrified of being seen as a bitch, terrified of being unliked. So we're in this weird space of not wanting to be a pushover, wanting to speak our truth, but then terrified of being seen as a bitch, terrified of not being liked, terrified of showing too much skin, terrified of showing not enough, terrified of talking too loud, scared of talking too quiet because no one will hear us. Like We're supposed to be everything and nothing all at once. Mm. And it's made this world incredibly confusing for women to navigate. And I think it's really important for all of us as women to realize that we are healing a pain body that is massive. My teacher, John Wineland, I have two teachers, um, John Wineland and Kendra Kunov, amazing people. But John often talks about as women, as we are learning to speak our truth, we are healing this ginormous pain body. And I don't think many of us think about this. Like, yes, we're, we're working through limiting beliefs that we, we had as children. Like I shared my story of... Uh, black and white way of thinking and perfectionism. Yeah, I'm healing that as an adult, but I'm also healing the entire collective of women in this world and those who have come before me. Because for the past thousands of years, women have been property. They were sold. They were given away. They were owned. And if they ever stepped out of line. They were burned at the stake. They were raped. They were stoned. They were thrown out. Like women have been tortured, abused, sold, killed, murdered, thrown to the side for thousands of years. And we are just now, like we, it wasn't too long ago, women got the right to vote. We're, we're still stepping up. Like right now, we are so lucky to be alive in this time when we're watching women do really powerful things, stepping up and speaking, creating the Me Too movement, making change, making change. Here, me and you are having this podcast interview, which we're going to launch out into the world and hundreds of women are going to listen to this and something is going to shift within them. So women are speaking up. We're living in a time of technology where we can learn more. We're educated. We are stepping into our power, into our truth. And I think we need more compassion as we learn how to do this because we are learning how to heal thousands of years of pain. We are all doing that for each other. So every day I wake up and I say, I'm going to love myself. I'm going to speak my truth. I'm going to risk being seen as a bitch. I'm going to... um, wear what I wear, say what I say. Every single day I do that. I am healing something within this world right here and those of the past. It's a big task. It's a huge task. So for anyone that's like, why do I feel so scared every time I speak my truth? That's why it's in your body to be scared because women had to be scared or they would lose their life if they stood up and they spoke out. So we're learning that we can speak our truth and we're not going to lose our life. Most of us, depending on where you are in the country, because not every country is there yet. Some women, you speak your truth, you are still killed. So just like a wake up call for people who are frustrated with themselves for not knowing how to do this. It's okay. It's a process. And maybe you won't get it perfect in this lifetime. Maybe you're going to learn what you learn here Maybe you have children or maybe you just meet some people in your life that you pass on your lessons to and then it goes down from there. But there's going to be a long process to go. Who knows where we're going to be in 30 years, 100 years, 300 years, right? And I see a lot of evolution happening. So we can do the best that we can. There are going to be moments when you're speaking your truths and people won't like you. And if you can sit in that and you can let that be and you can just refuse to abandon yourself anymore... You've done your job. That's a powerful job. Mm, I love that. As women, okay, this, this took my thought in a different way. So as women, I think 
at least this was always my experience. There's been some sort of like competition and like putting other women down and there's this, this tearing down of each other. And I think that in this space of us trying to create this new awareness of, of women and learning how to all for all of us to step in our truth, we need to come together and we need to stop fighting each other. And so how, how do you think we can start creating more community around women? Or like, why do you think we have such a like competition between each other? Like, how can we start bringing each other up in a way that helps us move towards this movement of being Mm -hmm. our, you know, more powerful and stepping into that? Mm -hmm. This is a process too, (laughs) for sure. Um, like, cause going back into the, you know, olden days, you needed to compete with each other to find a man who'd provide for you, give you children so you could pass on lineage, aka live. So you had the right to live. Like you needed to make children. Um, But then like in the more recent times, there's just competition of beauty, 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 beauty. The patriarchy is like, we've got, we've got this one thing that all women want because we tricked them into making sure they wanted it. And now we can pit it against each other. So we got to make sure they buy our products, do our programs. Um, it's entertaining when women fight, like go on any, any reality TV show. Like the patriarchy is constantly trying to make sure that we are distracted. As long as we're distracted with food, disordered eating, weight loss, body image, men, like we're going to be quiet because we're going to be in our own little world. We're going to be so distracted by all those things. We're not going to step up. We're not going to be those CEOs. We're not going to be making change. We can't make it to the rallies because we're so focused on going to the workout. So um, taking note of that, again, we're healing another pain point. We've been bred. We've been taught. We've been um, shoved into our heads to make sure that with women, there's competition. So we're going to have to take time to heal that as well. I have found my own personal things that have worked for me. Um, One of them that's been the most powerful, and I think it's for everybody, no matter who you are, I think this is for everybody. I have found myself falling in love with, with other women. Like, you know, I'm straight. So it's, it's in a very platonic way, but it's nurtured something really deep within me, like creating love for all women. Acro yoga. So I won't just say acro is the thing for everybody. I do think everybody can do it no matter what your size is. A lot of people have fears around doing acrobatic yoga, acro yoga um, because of body. Like, oh no, I'm too, too big. I'm too little. I'm too strong. I'm too weak. Everybody can do it. No matter what your body is, there is a place for you in acro. But the bigger point of it is working with another person's body being intimate with another person's body. So with acro yoga, if anyone has not heard of this yet, it is partner yoga where one person is basing, so to say, you're on the bottom lifting up someone. And then another person is flying, so to say. They are the person being picked up and lifted. And there's something called L-basing. So you're on your back if you're the base and you're lifting someone up with your feet. And when I started Acro about two and a half years ago, I was in a small group with two other women. Like there was a woman who was my teacher and then another woman who came to help out the teacher and then me. It was like the three of us for this Wednesday class all the time. And it was so scary for me because I was one of the guys still and I was way more comfortable being with the guys. And all of a sudden I was playing with two women, holding their bodies, them picking up my bodies. There's a lot of intimacy in Acro Yoga because you are holding another person's body weight and you're getting to know their body. And there are times where you're doing certain moves where you've got to touch all the body parts, like to get them to move around and get them in a certain position. And um, even if you're just doing this basic, a basic pose, a very easy basic pose, you're still making physical contact. Their, their feet might still be on your hips. And that in itself for a lot of people is really scary. So I do a retreat every year called the Feminine Surrender where I teach people how to be more into their feminine and we do acro yoga. And it's all women. So I teach women how to support each other and be in, in the masculine base pose and then be in the feminine flying pose. And it's incredibly freeing for a lot of women to learn how to support each other physically first before it goes straight to emotionally or just like spiritually loving all women, like physically learning to hold another woman up, like breaks something. It breaks that belief that there's all competition because you're creating something together. 
And so I love the physical embodiment of that first. That really helps me. And the more I started doing that, the more I was supporting other women physically, piece of cake to do it emotionally, piece of cake to do it spiritually. My business is all for women too. So <laughs> that helped a lot, like constantly supporting women in that way. But it, it's easy to, to compartmentalize and be like, okay, well, here's business and I'm, I'm directly helping women. But then in real life, competition. Mm. But that takes time. It takes going to full moon women's gatherings and learning how to hear the women's stories and seeing beauty in it. It takes time looking back into your past and seeing how you and another woman fought, fought over a guy and really look at that situation for what it was rather than all the emotions. Um, it's a process. And so one place that's, I think, easiest to start is with some sort of physical embodiment piece. Maybe try it out, acro yoga, some t- type of partner, I don't want to say workout, but some sort of partner physical thing, you know, dance, maybe, maybe you want to just be inside of a dance class where you're doing your own thing with your own body, but you're around other women dancing and then move on to a simple golden rule of just for seven days, decide that you're not going to speak poorly of another woman. Just start there. Start with what you're not going to do anymore. Instead of adding in new habits, take away one that's not serving you and never will serve you, never did serve you. So speak positively of your sisters because we are all one we are all having the same struggles, really. We're all learning how to live in this world as feminine creatures and beings. So knowing that every time you refuse to speak poorly about one of your sisters, you are healing something in the collective. Mm. Yes, I love that. Um, So kind of along those lines where we're learning how to heal this externally, learning how to heal it internally and learning how to step into your own feminine. How can we start? I know we've sort of veered, veered from create like the sexual shame piece of it, but I really feel like I think that kind of comes with learning how to go internal and to look at our own feminine and reconnecting to our own feminine, feminine body and our, our, the pieces of us. And so how can someone who has lived so much in the masculine start to move into the feminine, start to, well, I'll end there. How can we do that? There are multiple pieces. I would say the first one is getting back into your body because most people are dissociated. Most people are trying to do everything they can do to not be in their body. Like even whenever I have coaching calls and I'll see my clients, um, when we go into a difficult topic, they'll do something to disassociate. It's very easy for me to see, but a lot of people don't notice it. Like when they feel uncomfortable talking about something, they might then look up into the sky and then start twirling their hair because it makes them feel safe, you know, or they start fidgeting with their hands, like trying to just like get out of their body. Those are ways that we disassociate rather than breathing and staying present and staying focused and staying still. Like just really sitting in that motion. So even though I just mentioned stillness, I think one of the ways we get embodied, getting back into our body is again, some sort of physical piece. And that's, I'm not going to talk about acro again, but like for me, that's what it was. But for a lot of people, dance, dance, especially dance by yourself, putting on music in your living room and giving yourself full permission to spend four minutes and 30 seconds getting sensual with your body to a slow song. Like not just fast, like upbeat, happy, swinging your hips, but I mean like sensual dance where you are making love to the wall. You're moving really slowly, like honey. Um, I find that practice, especially since it's short, just one song, um, really powerful. Like I will put on one song that I love is unsteady. I just, I love that song. It's, it's so sexy to me. Um, I have a lot though. If anyone's interested in this, I have a, I have a Spotify playlist called, uh, soft love. Cause it's for soft love making, but I dance to it. Soft love. Um, my Spotify is Madeline moon. Anyways, just throwing that out there. Cause it's an amazing playlist. I love it. Um, but just putting on soft music, putting on something sensual and getting into your body, touching your thighs, rolling your head, like making love to the ground. Um, if people are not all about doing that in your bedroom, you like want to get out and you want to also create community by doing something with two birds, one stone, go to a pole dancing class 
get back into your body. You're going to feel silly. You're going to feel stupid. You're going to feel like you're doing it wrong. It's okay. Do it anyways. That's one of the number one signs we're not embodied is that when we start to move our body in some way that feels weird, um, wake up to that fact. You live in a body. It's your home. And moving your hips one certain way makes you feel weird. Like how strange is that? Like a certain movement all of a sudden is off limits with our own body. And that's why I think it's so important to go do some sort of embodiment activity to get back inside of your body and give yourself permission to move it a certain way. Not only does it feel sensual and soft because it's slow and it's sexy and that starts to break down those stories that you can't be sexy and sensual, and it's confronting, it's very confronting your face-to-face with that sensual or sexual shame that you're facing, but it's also helping you to um, be present. Just be in that one body you've been given, no matter what its shape is, no matter what its size is, even if you wish it was five pounds less or 10 pounds more or whatever it is, getting inside the body you have now and treating it like the queen and the goddess it is, because it is the one body you have been given. And robbing yourself from enjoying pleasure is one of the cruelest things you can do to yourself. And I'm still on that journey. And that last piece, my teacher, Kendra and John, both of my teachers have been really sinking this message into me on pleasure and, and not denying your body of pleasure. So many of us women are saying, well, I, I can't feel pleasure because it's taken by men. It's all for them. So we neglect it from ourselves. So coming back home to pleasure, I think, Sensual dance is a way that we give ourselves pleasure because it feels good. Um, There's lots of ways that we deny ourselves from pleasure in life as women because it's really closely related to sexuality and sensuality and that's very confronting. Mm -hmm. So look for ways you can give yourself more pleasure throughout the day. And that's not just in a sexual sense. That also means eating chocolate or feeling the warm sun on your arm and like taking note of that and being like, oh, that, that gives me pleasure. That feels good. And enjoying that just looking for different places throughout your life, throughout your day where you feel pleasure and allowing yourself to indulge in that even more. So there's a couple things. No, that's great. And also too, I think this, I was talking to someone the other day about just, I guess, pleasure, but then also sexual pleasure and that kind of stuff and how um, we tend to not ask for what we want in relationships or when in a sexual relationship, we're as I think too afraid because it's for the man. And so learning how to like make it about you as well and asking for you want, and that comes back to again, speaking your truth. But yeah, I think that's again, a really big piece of it as well is like figuring out what you like and not being afraid to, to ask for it and to embody those mm-hmm. things. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, we are running short on time. I feel like there were a few other things I wanted to dig into, but I think that this is a really good start for people wanting to explore more of their feminine and in a world where it is so, there is, I feel like a lot of people don't embrace that piece of them. I think that this is really, really important and some good conversations we need to continue having. So with that, is there anything else that you want to say before we close our time today? No, I think that we covered a lot. Um, I think just for everyone listening to this, it's easy to get overwhelmed with this conversation. Like the feminine and the masculine, it's a very big piece. And I think when you realize if and when you realize that you don't feel like you are okay with softness in your life, it can be frustrating. It's like, oh, why don't I have more softness in my life? Where's my feminine? Don't go to that place of self-deprecation. We've been there too much. That's not going to help anybody that does not serve anyone in this world, especially you. So move towards compassion and look at this adventure um, in an excited way. Like I'm looking forward to working on my feminine, easing into my feminine and letting go and resting more. Life is way too short to look at ways that we can, so to say, improve and get frustrated right off the bat because this is a huge journey, one that you will probably be on for the rest of your life. So take it easy Um, I would love to serve anyone that's interested in learning more about this. I have free gifts on my website, maddiemoon.com slash free gift. There's three of them on there. And um, yeah, happy to answer any questions anyone wants to send my way. Awesome. I wanted to add one thing to that um, because I think it is so beautiful and we do tend to go on the side of like, I'm frustrated. But I think the biggest thing we want in this world is connection. And when 
we create that anger within us, or I don't want to use the word anger, but when we create that, that turmoil or that like frustration within us, we're, we're creating disconnection within our bodies. And so coming at it from a place of compassion, we're already creating connection. And so I just think that that is so beautiful in this human experience to just remember that like treating ourselves with compassion and treating this whole journey with compassion and curiosity is going to get you so much farther and so much more connected than if you treat yourself with that hatred and and Mm -hmm. all of that. So I wanted to add that piece in there too, because I think it's, it's just so important. Um, Maddie, where can people find you if they want to connect? You can find me at maddymoon.com. That's M-A-D-D-Y moon.com. I'm on Instagram, Madeline Moon, M-A-D-E-L-Y-N Moon. And then my podcast has been around for over five years. So many episodes waiting for you. It's called Mind Body Musings. And you can find that on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts are available. Perfect. I'll make sure all of that's linked up. Thank you so much for for being here. I really appreciate this conversation and the work that you're doing right now. And just thank you. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. This has been awesome. And I look forward to connecting to those listeners. Perfect. Well, thanks everyone for being here and we will all chat soon. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you at all resonated with today's message, please give it a share either with a friend or a family member or on Instagram. You can tag me at Stephanie Dankelson. The best way to get this podcast growing and to share this message with the world is through word of mouth. Thank you to those of you who have already shared this podcast. It means so much to me. I appreciate all of you and we will see you all soon.